0: I know that's hard to believe, but I think that's what's going to be the case. I l-
1: uh, Stop it! He put up a sign that says sluts, everyone.
2: <laughs> I thought that's what you meant you by season fucker. two. Mark,
1: you're going to get us in trouble. Oh, my
2: God. <laughs> Are they going to slut it up?
1: Oh, my God. <laughs>
2: Greetings, savory inferiors, and welcome to the Vampire Insider, the unofficial podcast of Anne Rice's Immortal Universe. Each week, co-hosts Christina LaRusso, Joanne Palumbo, and myself, Mark Snedeker, recap and analyze episodes of Interview with the Vampire and the Mayfair Witches. We delve into Anne Rice's library and have in-depth discussions of other works about the supernatural. Today, we return to (laughs) The Vampire Diaries, season two. Now, I do troll Joanne on this show quite a lot, but it is uh, actually a very good show, and we've really enjoyed looking into it. Also this week, we will be featuring our fanfic from Wilson's Babe, also uh, listed on AO3 as Show Me Your Fangs. And we will be reading an excerpt from her story, The Plans We Made. Hello, Christina LaRusso. Hello, Joanne Palumbo.
1: Hello, Mark. Hello, Joanne. Hi, guys. I just want to say one thing, Mark. I also, Just one? Really? I, <laughs> I know. I know that you love to troll me about, you know, Dawson's Tooth and so much. all this other bullshit. So my new game that I troll Mark with, is I sent him thirst traps all day and all night of the people from the Vampire Diaries. Only the men.
2: Congratulations on a job well done.
1: I was going to send like some sexy ones of Elena or Rebecca, and I'm like... I don't want
2: him to get the wrong idea about this throuple, you know. Yeah. <laughs> Christina, uh, how are you today?
0: Well, I'm good. I'm good. I'm very excited to have this conversation. It, uh, I think that we've got a little bit more of a cohesive. You know me. I uh, want the cohesive I, plan. You are, and I feel like we've got a cohesive plan for this episode of Vampire Diaries season mm-hmm. recap.
2: Season two recap. Mm. You are nothing if not controlling.
1: You know what she is? <laughs> She's the Caroline of the show, right? She really is. not playing Elena, because I obviously I end up with Damon and Mark. You're Matt Donovan.
2: <laughs> oh, no, I can't be Matt. No, he's the worst character in the whole show.
0: I think for promotional photos around Halloween, which is of course spooky time, is our. Time to shine.
2: I mean, that's our holiday, right? We
0: need to do, I was, we were texting about this this afternoon and we're going to do some kind of play on Dawson's teeth and, you know, and and I say Dawson's teeth because it's hilarious, but also I, I actually love the show. Oh, you love
2: Dawson's teeth.
0: No, I love it. I I love it. (laughs) I love Dawson's Creek and Dawson's teeth. I
2: don't want to wait. Yeah, I'm sure I'll have no problem pulling off supermodel-looking 30-year-olds. <laughs> well, so, that's all good, right. We're, good deal. We're
0: aged. That's what makes it even funnier. Yeah. Sort of like Damon and sexy Elena yeah. or... And <laughs> regular vanilla, plain Elena. So,
2: <laughs> yeah, that's no. how I differentiate between Elena and Catherine. It's plain Elena and sexy Elena. <laughs> that's right. <laughs>
0: First of all, before we do anything else, as everyone knows, we are looking into fanfic and sharing fanfic. We haven't had any kind of lemons yet.
1: There hasn't been any where we're like, this is no good. Let's not
2: use it. So,
0: Mark, you usually lead us off with this and tell us who the author is. Correct. And what the the uh, notes are.
2: Uh, So this week's offering is entitled The Plans We Made by Show Me Your Fangs. The summary from the author is... Louis and Lestat try to move forward after the Mardi Gras ball ends in disaster. Or what if Claudia's plan had failed? This is, she says this is her first attempt at Lestat Fick. It was an excellent attempt, by the way. She said she needed to write something because the show has her in a chokehold. And she has so many feelings about it. We can identify. So, uh, Christina, have you selected a excerpt, an excerpt to read?
0: I have. I read the first chapter. Joanne, I think you've read further into it.
1: I did. I read three chapters. All right. So you'll be able to give I read
2: us... 1.4 chapters.
1: All right. So you... and the, the thing is, Christina, because, you know, she basically just is retelling the episode. In this first chapter, in the second and third, she then she develops the story.
0: Yes, she does. But I am going to read from the first chapter because there's some stuff that I want to talk about that really resonated with me about this first chapter. So we're going to start just from the beginning, everyone. Why and not? then, as as always, after I'm done doing the dramatic reading with no voices. I'm not going to do any voices. Extra voices. No.
2: Do you want me to do some?
0: No. <laughs> no.
2: Do you want me to do a New Zealand accent?
0: No. I, there's no need. <laughs> do your Australian accent. No, there's yeah, hey, no. Hey, Crocky. No, there's no. Wow, ah, that
2: plan didn't work out at all. <laughs> no. my God.
0: Shut up. Uh, Louie's not Australian. Well, I'm, he is today. All right. But Sam Reed is. Nice one. It was decided they were going to kill Lestat. They were going to kill Lestat. Louis replayed the phrase over and over again in his mind as he struggled to come to terms with what it meant. They were going to kill Lestat. As the weeks went inexorably by, Louis was haunted by the image of Lestat's powerful body, rendered cold and lifeless. Louis saw it every time he closed his eyes, Lestat's striking blue eye, blank, beautiful golden hair scattered around his pale face, stiff and devoid of its usual splendor. Louis startled awake almost every day, his heart hammering in his chest, his back covered in cold sweat, consumed by guilt for a crime he had not yet committed. In those moments, Lestat just held Louis tighter tenderly kissing his brow and whispering soothing words into his ear until their heartbeats were in sync again. Louis wondered what Lestat would do if he knew what nightmares haunted Louis' sleep. They were going to kill Lestat, and Louis' heart was already breaking at the thought. He was already mourning as Lestat lovingly gazed up at him from his place on the piano bench. Louis's heart shattered every time Lestat pulled him closer to steal a kiss, overjoyed by their rekindled passion. Lestat did not seem to suspect that Louis's love was an act, a mere ploy by Claudia to keep Lestat distracted as they plotted his demise. That was the lie that Louis told himself every time he gave in to Lestat's demanding touches and his seductive gaze. In truth, From the moment Louis had allowed himself to open up to Lestat again, it was as if the dam broke. All the feelings he had been suppressing came rushing back. Louis fell head first back into a treacherously familiar pattern as Lestat's mirrored eyes beckoned him like a siren song, inviting him to drown himself in their inscrutable depths. When they were alone together, with Claudia gone for long hours, under the pretext of having to go further out of town to hunt, Louis would forget himself, forget all about Lestat's shortcomings, about Claudia's anger, about his despair. In those moments, nothing about Louis's kisses was feigned. Nothing about his sighs of pleasure, as he and Lestat embraced, was a pretense. For a moment, there was nothing but Lestat's firm, slight body on top of his. Lestat's powerful, yet gentle hands caressing his skin. Lestat's warm, flush lips kissing him fervently as he too could sense that the moment was one of the last few the two of them would share. Afterwards, when Louis was faced with Claudia's falsely placid face that hardly betrayed the silent, mutinous rage that was simmering within, Louis was once again consumed by guilt. He hated himself for allowing Lestat to make him forget, even for a brief moment, why he and Claudia we're doing this.
2: So I can completely identify with this because <laughs> oh, I remember oh, wow. when, when I was thinking about murdering Christina. Wow. <laughs> wow. I felt the exact same way because it's so hard to kill somebody you care about.
0: Oh, my God. In fact,
2: at, in the end, I just couldn't do it.
0: <laughs> and here we are.
2: Doing and the here Bandfire we are. Podcast. She's like, I'm like, who's going to edit the podcast? You know, I don't even know what to do.
1: Where am I going to tell Joni she went? <laughs>
2: yeah, Joni would probably be mad at me, you know. She probably block me on Twitter. I don't know. I mean, it would be awful. So the premise is obviously of this story which she says in the beginning is what if the plan goes wrong. Right. Right? What if it doesn't work out? Which honestly in the show doesn't really work out that great, but what if it had even not worked out worse. Yeah. <laughs> and um it's a really interesting take into and a peek into Louis's mind mm-hmm. as to how he's struggling with this because really that's where we're spending most of the story is inside Louis's head. Which is, you know, where Anne Rice wants us to be. Inside Louie's brain.
0: From
1: Interview with the Vampire, yes.
2: Correct. Mm -hmm. So, Joni, tell us your take on the story.
1: I read the summary. Louis and Lestat try to move forward after the Mardi Gras ball ends in disaster. Or, what if Claudia's plan had failed? And I just said, fuck yeah, this is our story.
2: Yeah, pretty compelling, right?
1: I'm like, took a screenshot of it, sent it to you guys, and I was like... Like and, then, uh, and I was going to fight for it if you guys had said no, but I'm like.
2: Nothing makes Joanne happier than plans that go awry. <laughs> <laughs> I
1: not plans that go her way. I was like, exactly. No, she
2: doesn't care about that. She just wants to see everyone else <laughs> but fail. But
1: no, the, the story itself is really, really good. I read the first three chapters. She does such a great job building up the anticipation of what's going to happen when they finally go to kill Lestat. And she did not disappoint. I don't want to even tell you what happened because it was just that good.
0: My hot take on this is exactly what you're saying. It follows the plot of the series. And in fact, very much of the first chapter is a lot of the series words, right? Like what's happening in the in the series in that final episode. But she has a lot of Louis stream of consciousness, which is what I was reading there. And sort of Louis internal monologue. And for me, that was extremely well done because what she's essentially describing is anticipatory grief. And that's a heavy thing. I don't know what her intent here was, but for anybody who has gone through the process of watching a loved one die, now, in this case, it's Louie who knows he's going to be killing this person. So it's anticipatory grief and anticipatory guilt.
2: That's why you're here today.
0: But <laughs> <laughs> but it's a very heavy experience to go through that. And what she's capturing there in fanfic is real. It's yeah. it's it's real. And I was I was reading it and Moved. I I said to Mark, I'm like, oh, wow. It's mm. too enthusiastic. Thumbs up from me. She continues
1: that throughout chapters two and three, but from that, she also builds way off of the storyline.
2: That's what fanfic is all about, right? Well,
1: yeah, but I'm saying like she did a really good job of of keeping it kind of almost like refreshing your memory of what happened in the episode, but it goes way left, and it goes left in the most... I didn't like it because of what happens to a certain somebody that I love. Is it me? <laughs> no, definitely not. What? Um. <laughs> I mean,
2: definitely not.
1: It's, it's really good. And I want you guys to read the, you know, I'm going to go back and finish reading it tonight because it's Friday night. I have no plans. You guys need to like read the rest of it because it gets so really good and exciting. So let's
0: dive a little bit deeper into this fanfic. For me... This one stays close to the story. It doesn't create some alternate universe. but I love an alternate universe. Yeah. But it's going to stay, even though it changes a plot point.
2: Really, just kind of one. One. Right?
1: It's a critical plot point. Well, I mean, point. you know. It's a massive change of, I mean, I think they're still going to end up where they're going, but it's a massive change. up. And it's
0: a plot point that she's changing, actually, from Anne Rice. And she changed it well, but she did a great job of changing yeah, this. And it's, and it's an exploration. It's sort of a thought experiment.
2: It's like you're in a train. Those of you who are willing to drive, ride train <laughs> or
1: a bus. <laughs> those who want to ride the rails,
2: but a train is better for my particular example here. <laughs> and everything is going along the predetermined rail, and then somebody hits a switch, and you just branch off a little bit, not a lot right? One plot point, boom, and then see what happens. Mm-hmm. And I think that's a very compelling way to do fan fiction is you're being true to the original source material and you're really just changing something that happened. Now you're cha- you're not changing who these people are. Like Louis isn't suddenly confident and, you know, and or self-aware. Lestat
0: is super self-reflective. Right, Right, like the-, the, the Which you the, can do. Which you can do, and I loved it. I yeah. loved when Lestat was suddenly in therapy for 30 years, and he was very self-reflective. I mean, it took 30 fucking years. <laughs>
2: <so>.
1: <laughs> that, I mean, I'm you know, binge-watching The Sopranos, but-
2: Which is amazing, But I by loved
0: the way. that. I loved that. But this is just, you're right. It's, it's like just a, a little, little bit of
2: a plot point. Pivot. And then, you know, oh, Antoinette, my God, you've got a sword. That could have very easily happened.
0: Could have happened.
2: Within that show. Could have
1: been a right. choice that these writers made. Do you think if they knew Bailey was going to leave, they wouldn't have just done yeah. that?
2: Yes. Let's just kill her. By in, the way, in, no, I do not think
1: that.
0: Just to give you a little bit of a teaser, of the thing that goes wrong is that Lestat is not almost killed completely. He doesn't end up in a dump and Claudia is killed by Antoinette. Yes, in this chapter. All right, so that's brutal. where things go awry, and it's brutal and it is hardcore. It made and me sad. It does make you sad because you know what? I was
1: picturing Bailey. She said her little right. heart shaped face, and I was like, ah, that's I, Bailey. I Bailey. Such a hard time I, accepting Claudia dying. And then to have her killed by that twat Antoinette, i just like, I was pissed. And I was so- I don't know. I I'm pro
2: Antoinette. I think she's the best character in the whole show.
1: Shut up. You, you, know, you would be because you're, you know what, Mark? You're a twat too. I love. So that makes perfect sense.
0: But I think that as you, as everyone can tell from our exuberant conversation here, this is a fanfic, definitely worth reading. Absolutely. You can find it on- I'm going to
2: rate it five volleyballs.
0: <laughs> for
1: Wilson's, yes. what is it Wilson's get?
2: W- Wilson's, uh, Wilson's babe.
1: Well, for Wilson's- Give it five out of five Salamis. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to give it a five out of five gabagool.
2: Gabagool. <laughs> a little prosciutto, maybe some gabagool. No,
0: five out of five blood bags. No, yeah. it's, yes, uh, oh, that. that's a new system. Okay, so we got to get, actually, honestly, I can't think of a one that I wouldn't have given a five out of five. They've we been can't, excellent so They've well. all been yeah, really, 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 really good. good. It's no, not a competition. And it isn't a competition. What we're trying to do is, during the hiatus, during the long spell of not seeing information from AMC or much information from AMC, not seeing any kind of movement towards the actors and writers coming to accord with the studios. We're trying to maintain content and engage people and the fandom. And we're very lucky
2: that the community is super creative And is generating this kind of content for us to talk about.
0: Absolutely. So we are so grateful for the community's contribution. And if you have anything that you would like to share with us, please reach out to us. We are at vampire underscore insider on Twitter. And you can also reach us via Gmail, vampire insider at gmail.com. All right. (laughs) So let's give a big... Vampire Insider, thank you to Wilson's babe or Show Me Your Fangs for sharing her wonderful story, The Plans We Made, on AO3. We will put the links in our episode notes and on Twitter.
2: Great. Let's talk about some fucking vampires.
0: All right. So one of the things that we're doing is diversifying a little bit so that we have additional teethy content to bring you while we're on hiatus from the interview with the vampire series. So we are going to be talking today for the rest of the episode about the vampire diaries, and we're going to do a season two recap.
2: So uh, Joanne, why don't you give us a brief recap of season two?
1: Okay. So the brief recap, we start out with the introduction to The one, the only, the baddest bitch in town, Catherine Pierce, a.k.a. Katerina Petrova.
2: A.k.a. Sexy Elena.
1: (laughs) A.k.a. Sexy
0: Elena, yes. From now on, we will only refer to her as Sexy Elena, and then Elena is going to be referred to as Plain Elena.
2: Yes.
1: Yeah, so we we get to know um, Catherine for the bitch that she is, and I love her more every time I watch her. (laughs) I'm
2: not surprised.
1: We find out why Tyler Lockwood's dad Um, had that reaction to the Gilbert device, went down and got killed. Well, they're all werewolves. So we learn about the werewolf gene and how that's activated. And then we have the Michaelsons. Um, for right now, it's just Klaus and Elijah. And they are, well, we already met Elijah at the end of season one, but. You get to meet Klaus. You learn a lot about the Michelson's history. There's still a lot more to come as the seasons go, but you get a good foundation of it. We see Bonnie at the sacrifice. Things go crazy. Thing, You know, everything goes wild. And uh, Christina's two favorite people come back in the last scene. The
2: end.
0: Actually, it's Anna and fucking Vicky. Because I hate Vicky. Anna is, I'm fine with. Okay, so, so everyone, let's do Hot Take. Season 2, Vampire Diaries.
2: There are so many kidnappings. <laughs> and by the way, death means nothing to these people. <laughs> if someone dies in this show, don't worry, <laughs> they'll be back. Too there will be nice. a way. They will pull the, the knife out, they'll sprinkle some shit over them, they'll chant. They'll Bonnie chant. will show up and chant. Bonnie can save everybody. As long as she's willing to give up some blood from her nose. As long
0: as Bobby is (laughs) willing to put up with a really severe nosebleed. Yeah,
2: she's like, whatever, just nosebleed, man. I can bring you back to life.
1: I'm telling you, a Bennett witch, way better than a Mayfair witch. 100%. Well, you
2: know, one advantage she has is, first of all, she doesn't walk around with her mouth open all the time. (laughs) As much as her little boyfriend would like her to, I'm sure. Oh! Um, But, oh yeah, my hot take is a lot of kidnappings. Joanne was 100% correct in listing the dungeon as one of the main characters. Absolutely. And by the way. There's two dungeons, right? There's
1: now you got, you got to meet the Lockwood cellar instead of the Salvatore basement.
2: So there's there's the Salvatore basement, which is a pretty nice dungeon as far as those Well go. There, It's
0: a basement that has like a, a nice ice box. It's not an ice box. It's like a freezer.
2: Yeah, with some kind blood of a in it. Refrigerator
0: that keep where there's they keep an all atrium. the blood. <laughs> They use the house for vain. (laughs) Yes. There's like the,
2: the gross, the grow room. And then there's there's the dungeon where there's a in the woods, which by the way, I assume when it's not being used to hold werewolves, just is where kids like dump porn and stuff.
1: That's the lockwood. That's the lockwood cellar. And then don't forget. There's also the tomb. They have a lot of underground torture chambers. And I'm here to tell you, Mark,
2: There's more. I don't even doubt it.
1: Thank God. I'm sure there's going to be
2: 11 more dungeons next season. (laughs) I mean. God.
0: All right. But also, the Lockwood area is also a place where people go, and we know this because they say this in the show. They're going to bang. To slut it up.
2: Yes. And that's what I like. (laughs) I am here. That's my kind of girl. I am here for sluts. (laughs) For slutting <laughs> and for being slutatious. OK, so I'm here for all parts of speech. Mark loves a good slut. Oh, you know what I also like? Adverbs. They're slutty. <laughs>
1: Sluttastic.
2: Yeah, exactly.
0: Oh, my God. And it is not hate speech or any
1: kind of derogative they, thing. They They're own it. are saying it themselves. They own it. Well, Caroline said, girl meets boy, boy meets girl. sex so they're very sex positive.
2: Yeah. And yeah. that one girl's like, oh, I'm so sorry for slutting it up. Which, by the way, <laughs> she was super not sorry, even a little bit.
0: Not even, not even. Until with, she uh, got Tyler. killed. Until and,
2: she got killed. Yeah. You know. That was, you
0: know, sad. But Which also- is,
2: by the way, the number one rule. Of any horror movie, which is the
1: sexually active girl,
2: virgins live, sluts die.
1: Oh, oh my god! So if my life is not a horror movie, I'd be dead, Mark. Like,
2: oh <laughs> my god, you'd be you'd be dead in scene one. Scene most, one, Joni. women
1: dead. I'm like coming out in utero, dead. Like, just yes. Yeah,
2: scene one, Joni killed by a machete. <laughs> she was very loose.
0: All right, my hot take is a little bit less
2: dramatic, sleazy. I don't, Masculine.
0: Ridiculous. Thank you. Um, (laughs) All right. So season two, the sophomore effort is for me just like amazing.
2: No jinx. No sophomore jinx.
0: There was so much lore.
2: Yes, that's what I liked. I liked that they were explaining the history and the lore and how vampires work and how werewolves work.
0: I think that it is uh, that they are going to take us down this path and I hope that it continues in in further seasons where they just enrich the lore because honestly they're creating this very interesting universe now I suspect as we go further past maybe two or three more seasons it's going to jump the shark and then the universe is going to be too wild and I'm going to just be here to roast it but right now I am in this universe, and I am loving this universe.
1: They ne- they never jump the shark. It, it does. There are some seasons that aren't my favorite, but they don't jump the shark. Why? Like you sitting here saying how much you love it, Christina. I'm just like got this shitty grin on my face because I'm like, why do you think I've been screaming? Let's do Vampire Diaries this whole time. You guys have to watch it, and why I've watched it so many times? It's just that good, and it's gonna. It keeps getting better. I get it. It's very
0: interesting. Does it have some things that I'm going to roast for this season? It
1: 100% does. But it's lovingly.
2: Do you think I'll roast any of it? <laughs> yes. Oh, wait, I already have.
1: It's 22 hours of television. Of course, there's going to be something that you don't like or they got wrong or was it there's, oh, there's going to be something. It's not even that I
0: don't like. It's that it's it's like a loving. It's like you go.
2: I tease because I love.
1: It's, I tease because I love. I you know obviously loved 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 season two. It gave me everything I needed. There were so many new. We got introduced to werewolves, war warlocks, which are just basically male witches. But okay, still another thing, doppelgangers originals and and everything that's encompassed with that the sun and the moon curse there was just so much fun stuff packed into this season i almost love it as much as i love season three so i'm really excited for that
0: let's talk about main characters This is something we didn't do in the last episode, and I think that was fair because we needed to get kind of a lay of the land. The first season is really just establishing Elena, Damon, Stefan. You get Bonnie, a little bit of Bonnie, a little bit of Caroline. It's just kind of a... It's an
1: introduction. It's like a meet and greet. For
0: 22 episodes. Correct. So in the second season, let's talk about the main characters. And here's who I have as the main characters... Correct me if I'm wrong. I have Stefan, Damon, plain Elena, sexy Elena, Catherine, and the dungeon.
2: Right, because I know that's very important to Joanne that we include the dungeon as a character. it's
0: important to me that we include the dungeon.
2: It's important to the ladies on this podcast (laughs) that we include the dungeon as a character, which, by the way. I support 100% because I'm an ally. All right. So (laughs) thanks, Mark. I'm a dungeon ally. Yeah, I think you missed
1: two people, but now I'm thinking maybe they're not main characters, but they are crucial to the story of season two. Elijah and Klaus.
0: Let me tell you about ancillary main characters. Caroline, Bonnie, Tyler, Jeremy, uh, Alaric, and then also Elijah and the other
2: originals. Klaus. Klaus doesn't really make an appearance. He can't be a main character. He's
0: not a main character because he doesn't actually make an appearance until really episode. Now,
2: now Joni, like I know you. Nineteen. I know you've watched all. Yeah, Klaus,
0: He
1: does. He does. He does make it an, an appearance. Mark. Yeah, he but he's not a season. main.
0: He he makes an appearance, but he comes as Alaric. You
1: no, know, you see him as himself in, in season two. But so,
0: mostly you- as Alaric.
1: But at the end, at the very end of season two, he becomes himself. That's why I said I, I think Elijah and. And Klaus, and I'm like, but they're really not in it that much. Elijah's, you know, staked the whole time, and Klaus is in, and yeah. Their
0: ancillary main, hang with me here. Then we go into, then there's plot movers, who I'm calling, like, disposable characters, because they move in and out of the plot, and they could die at any moment. And And we're fine with it. It doesn't matter. And that is uh, every parent ever.
2: Yeah, (laughs) all the parents can die.
0: (laughs) Uh, The extra witches... The extra werewolves, all of the, so
2: an academic vampire. I love that guy. By the way, that's my, honestly, of all the people who have been eliminated from this show, I love Professor Vampire. Academic Vampire was amazing. He was so good. Who the hell is Professor Vampire? You know Best exactly guy. who it academic is. academic
0: vampire, where they go to meet him. He's like the go-between. He's like, I've
2: got 70. He's
1: like, oh, he's, oh, like the historian, yeah.
2: He's got like, I've got 75 PhDs. Yes,
1: yes, yes, all the masters. Yep, you're I've right. I've been
2: studying for 190 years. I would
1: hate to see his student loan debt. Oh
2: my God, he's got to be broke as a joke.
1: His name his name was Slater. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Slater. Right. Slater. I love that guy because I love the whole, you know, I've done nothing but study for two hundred years and um now somebody's gonna murder that is
0: me. literally Mark's wet dream. Oh my God, I would <laughs> love
2: that. All right. By the way, don't don't kid yourself. Christina would love that, too. I would fucking She's love like, that. It would I also want,
0: be my wedding. I time. want
2: 30 PhDs.
0: 100%. All right. Uh, Rose, council members. Mm-hmm. Also, which, you know, that kind of, there's a Venn diagram and council member and parents. They're all parents, yeah. Uh, you know, that all kind of uh, overlaps. Um,
1: and then sluts.
2: Love the sluts.
1: They're so, the life of the party. <laughs> they, they really are.
2: So I mean, somebody's got to get bit.
1: Too bad right. they both die. But they're
0: critical because yeah. they move the plot forward. And then yeah. there's everybody in the background.
2: Yeah. So we're joking about this. Obviously, we're very sex positive. We don't think that sluts Is are... Is an appropriate way to talk about women. But I can tell you this show... Definitely thinks that slut may be a little bit evil.
0: Actually, slut in this show, and this would be one place where I think this wouldn't happen now. Is that slut in this show is disposable, as we right. call them. The plot, plot movers are disposable but also, characters, but also they're also evil
2: because sexy Elena. And that's a well worn tradition: is that evil, the evil version of a character, always dresses sexier. Has, like, leather going on. Think about Buffy. Well, have
1: you ever seen an evil guy in, like, khakis and a polo shirt? No.
2: They always have, like, a goatee, and they're wearing, like, only a vest cut down to their navel. There's
0: a reason that Damon is always swanning around in black clothing. Sure. It's not leather necessarily, but he does wear a lot of leather. He has a leather jacket.
1: He's always sauntering around looking. Damon always looks good.
0: So, okay, Joanne, let's talk about the sort of major plot points of the season. I want to hear what you think they are. And then because you've watched it multiple times and Mark and I will chime in after you're done with our
2: completely incorrect answers and see
0: if uh, how ours match up with yours.
1: So for me, it's kind of what I said in my hot take where we kind of get to see how Catherine is indestructible. You see it throughout the whole season. You, you get the sense of, okay, I understand how she could have run for 500 years and not get caught because she's you know, pretty sly. Um, Tyler Lockwood and the fact that he's a werewolf is very, well, we don't know it yet, but it's very pivotal for what comes next in um, the story of class. So finding out how he turns, watching him turn and seeing Caroline grow, not only as a vampire, but just as a, like, a better person. Um, She's caring now. She's not as, she has her moments, but she definitely has a a great arc throughout this season. And you start to see why everybody always says Caroline is better as a vampire than a human. And then, of course, the the last one I'm going to say kind of encompasses a lot of the season. And even if it wasn't happening, like, for the entire episode, there was always, something talking about it and that's the inevitable um sacrifice that Elena has to go through with Klaus. And getting there was so much fun because we got to learn about the Michaelsons, you know, see their reaction when they find out that they're actually siblings. They had no clue. Um, Watch them fumble the ball a few times, killing Elijah again this season. And overall just seeing how diabolical and evil and powerful the Michelsons are because if you take a high level look at this episode, Klaus orchestrated everything. He sent Isabel. That's, you know, if you remember Isabel kills herself when she gets off the phone, she was compelled by Klaus. So the Michelsons really pulled the strings this season and you don't really realize it until the very end and, and kind of into the next, um, the next season. But Everything centered around the sun and moon curse, which now we know is fake. They've made it up, which I love. And Elena's, um, sacrifice at the end so that Klaus could break the hybrid curse.
2: You know, here's my take on Caroline. Mm -hmm. She went from Paris Hilton to Taylor Swift.
1: Oh, I love that. And you know what? Candace Akala King is a huge Swiftie.
2: There you go. Initially, definitely Paris Hilton, right? That's hot. That's hot. Whatever. You know, I just want to be it's hot girl summer or whatever. We yeah, boy, girl, sex, whatever. And then then she's like, oh, wait, I maybe I have some depth. I'm still very popular. Right. I'm still very magnetic.
1: Mark, you're going to fall in love with her. She gets better.
2: Uh, too late. I already am.
1: Oh, <laughs> oh I love that. For you. I love that Isn't journey. journey? is
2: not a great journey for me.
1: Mark is in his Caroline error. <laughs>
2: Could she possibly become a brunette? That would be better.
1: <laughs> wow. You really just want to make everybody molded into me. This is getting a little disturbing, but OK.
2: Yeah. Well, you know, I it, I hope it doesn't get weird for you.
0: All right. For me, season two was all about
1: these things. Uh, what is the Moonstone? Mm hmm. Do you know you can buy the Moonstone? You can buy her necklace in case you're thinking of getting me a gift or something.
2: Well, I'm looking on Amazon right now for Moonstones.
1: No, you got to you to go to Vampire Diaries and
2: then put in Moonstone. I'm not I buying want, merch. I <laughs> want that particular no, Moonstone. No, you're not getting that.
1: What
0: is, the, what is the deal with werewolves, vampires, originals? What is the deal with the Sun Moon Curse, right? Like, that's a big part of season two.
1: And they wrote it so beautifully.
0: And they did. And then, who is Klaus? Like, to me, when I was watching this, I was like, who is Klaus? Is really like, who is Kaiser Sose? They do a, a very good job of expanding this universe and making it very tense and helping you to anticipate who is Klaus? Because Klaus actually body shifts into. Alaric. Now, just you know, I mean, before, they, they really tease this... out who is the actor who is Klaus. You don't see Klaus. You never see him. No, until the very end of the season. So, those are the big mysteries for me of this season. Like, who is Klaus is really the big thing. Who is Kaiser? was the massive, massive uh, story
2: for the season. Do you know what the big mystery is for me? What? How you're going to make a secret room <laughs> in a house. That you can accidentally sex your way into. <laughs> like, hey, the Lake House, Joe. We're making out, we're banging, whatever. Boom. Oh my God, we discovered a secret room. I have never in my entire life discovered a secret room while making out with someone.
0: There's a sexing, they're sexing up against many walls.
2: Yeah, but still they like, oh, my God, we sexed our way into a secret room. Let's investigate that instead of completing coitus. <laughs> what the hell is going on with this show?
0: <laughs> it's true, though. It's true. All right. So those are the big mysteries of this season. Ultimately, in this season, we have a lot of the main thing, which is, does Elena love Damon or Stefan? It becomes much blurrier well, in she, this season. For
2: most of the season, it's not that blurry.
0: Well, she always loves Stefan. She thinks she yeah, does. Yeah.
2: But, but let's, she's a let's girl be
0: loving Stefan.
2: Elena is a teenage girl. Of course she's going to fuck shit up.
0: She's No, of course she's going to love Stefan. She's as a teenage girl. She's going to be. She wants the White Knight. She wants Stefan, who is but a a bad guy because he's a vampire, but also a good guy, right? Because he's got a lot of humanity. He's angel. He is angel. And Joanne, you said in the last episode about Vampire Diaries. You said, "How dare you say compare Stefan to Angel?" Honestly, I mean, there's a lot of for me.
2: He was.
1: You know what you, you two have done this entire time. It's just say this person, this person, this person. Oh, look, it's Harry Hamlin Jr. Oh, look, it's Rob Lowe. Oh, look, it's David fucking Boreanaz now.
2: Most of that is just to troll you. <laughs> <laughs> but I do think that there is a reasonable parallel to draw between Buffy and vampire diaries you can draw
1: through all of these universes they're 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 all overlapping
2: well of course absolutely everything is derivative right of course yeah but, i agree but angel who was also angelus right was the most evil wicked vampire of all time the ripper yeah until he accidentally got a soul and stefan to begin with was, was a the ripper fucking ripper right And then he was like, oh, maybe I should be a nicer dude. Because of Lexi. Correct. So she kind of tamed him a little bit and got him to, you know, re-engage with his humanity, feelings, whatever. Damon, on the other hand, is Spike. I don't care about anybody. I'm just cool and hot and I eat people. And then at a certain point, he's like, oh, maybe I have some feels. Right. So that's the parallel there. Now it's not a perfect parallel. Look, I concede
1: that there is overlap in other universes, even with, even with the interview with the vampire, but it's, it's all, it doesn't matter to me because out of all the universes, this particular universe is, and will always be the best universe.
2: It's your favorite universe. Uh-huh. And by the way, so I, I did today post on vampire insider, a list of some random fucking list of what they think are the best vampire TV shows of all time. And they, I mean, they listed Vampire Diaries as number three. I'll take it. Number two or three, which was very high, in my opinion.
0: What was number one? I thought Buffy. Vampire Diary. Oh, Buffy was number one.
2: Yeah. And Interview was number four, but Vampire Diaries was ranked higher than that. Now, a f- the friend of the podcast, Tail Treader, or as... Christina likes to say, "Talent reader,
0: how <laughs> embarrassing!" Was everyone.
2: definitely not into that. Right? They were basically it, Buffy was very significant in terms of breaking new ground, etc. And for them, Vampire uh, Interview with the Vampires, the most well-made, well-written vampire show of all time. And I can't really disagree with that. But they rated Vampire Diaries pretty high, Joni. I mean, you can't deny that Interview with the Vampire is much more intricate, sophisticated. Of course it is. I know it is. Better written, et cetera. But I mean, I'm not saying Vampire Diaries is a bad show, as much as I make fun of it. It's a very good show. It, it lasted how many seasons, Joni?
1: Eight seasons.
2: Yeah. That's a long fucking time for a TV show. And
1: it spawned two spinoffs, two very successful spinoffs.
0: Following up on that, though, let's talk a little bit about vampire content for young adults, because you're mentioning, Mark, how, you know, interview is written differently and it's grittier and it's all of that, right? So it's it's really geared more towards maybe not a young adult audience, but an adult audience, whereas Vampire Diaries is definitely geared towards young adult. And in fact, I, I think the novels that it was originally based off of joe are young adult genre novels right so we joke a lot and when we eventually get to talking about twilight there's going to be a lot of jokes made at the expense of twilight by mark but is there validity you know in in the way that the vampire diaries is written geared towards young young adults our young adult audience what what do we think sure
2: there's nothing wrong with ya content in fact some of the coolest stories are ya content right harry potter It's YA YA content. A Wrinkle in Time, one of my favorite books of all time, fantasy books of all time, is young adult content. Buffy the Vampire Slayer. YA content. There's nothing wrong with that at all. It's going to be different content. Not going to be, like you said, it's not going to be as edgy. Only the sex is going to be a little bit more understated, although they'll still have some, you know, sexiness, romance type stuff in there. But perfectly valid form of entertainment it's just going to be different and not a ya sometimes you'll lose that connection with that not always obviously joanne was a vampire diaries till you know ride or die but um you know sometimes you lose connection with that with that content when you know you're no longer that target audience
1: i think there's a huge amount of value in these teen focused and young adult focused vampire shows and it's The formula, it's like, it's like they follow a formula and it works because they're all successful. You can't deny that as cheesy as Twilight is, you can't deny it's success. Like, like just like Vampire Diaries, Twilight is still, you know, it hasn't been, there hasn't been a new movie or a new book or, you know, just like Vampire Diaries, there hasn't been a new episode or, you know, even a spinoff, but it's still wildly popular with people of all ages and that speaks a lot about it. I don't think it's wrong to gear it or any, or anything there's anything wrong with gearing it towards young adults. And I don't think either that fall off of it as you get older based on just knowing the fan base for Twilight and for TVD. It ranges from seven-year-old kids to 80-year-old women.
2: Not all young adult content ages poorly. But some of it does. I do think though, it's a trap producers and authors can fall into where they're creating young adult content, but they're dumbing it down. And then that gives it, it might still be cool, but it's not going to have the staying power of something that's kind of more complex because I think you should challenge your audience a bit and you should give them a bit of credit. And when, and I know you were a huge Dawson's Creek fan, Christina. I am. But in a lot of cases, they dumb down that content. See, I'm going to challenge you on that, Mark, because
1: just because something is not a literary masterpiece doesn't mean it's not good. You know what I mean? Just because Vampire Diaries book or the Twilight books aren't as sophisticated in their writing as Anne Rice's makes them less than. It's It's just appealing to... different audience. And I think there's enough of a market where everyone can exist in that space and still be wildly successful.
0: I I agree. And I would push back at the dumbing down aspect of like for 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 particularly for Dawson's Creek, because one of the things that was repeatedly said when Dawson's Creek came out is these kids do not talk like kids. They talk, which is good. I mean, I think that's which is which is good. Um but anyway this is uh, despite the fact that it's Dawson's Teeth that this is not actually Dawson's Creek podcast although right. I could talk about da- oh, anybody sure ever you. wants to hear me talk about Casey <laughs> call me because yes. I, I can talk about him all day long. I'm um, sure that you could. All right so let's do uh, let's do you know what we loved and what we didn't love quickly, like, you know, one, one or two things that we loved and didn't love about this season. Joe, you go first.
1: I would have to say out of this season, out of season two, um, one of my all time favorites is just the storyline itself of the Michaelsons and seeing their story play out and meeting Elijah and meeting Klaus and getting all the details about all that. I really loved it. One of the other parts that I loved um, was a scene where Elena is in the driveway at the Salvatore mansion with uh, Stefan and Klaus is there to take her to the sacrifice. And, you know, he's kind of standing in front of her and he's, you know, trying to protect her. And you could tell he's, you know, his eyes are welling up in tears and he's scared, doesn't want to let her go. And she does like the most grown up thing. And I think it's the hardest thing anyone could ever do she tells him to close his eyes. And obviously when he opens them, she's gone. And I put myself in that position. And I'm like, if I was Stefan, there just would have been no way I could have closed my eyes. You know, like it just, I equate that to kind of like death where you have to like, let somebody go when they die. And I have such a hard time doing that. I wouldn't even have been able to like, let Elena go to the sacrifice, but I loved it because it kind of evoked that feeling in me. Um, In terms of something I didn't like, two deaths I did not like. Jenna's death, because I really thought that she could have been, you know, a little bit of a better character, maybe later on with Alaric and things like that. So I was bummed to see her go. And I thought that John Gilbert had too much of a heroic death, even though the characters themselves didn't really like take a minute to kind of go, wow, he just gave his life for Elena, which as his father, that's what Parents, you know, if they're in a situation, they would they say all the time anyway, I would give my life for my kid. And John Gilbert did do that. And that was very heroic. But he was such a shithead. I don't think he deserved to go out so heroically. Yeah,
0: I agree. You know, John did that, I guess, to add a little detail to that, because Damon had forced Elena to drink his blood in an an effort to save her. So Damon was, you know, super controlling, forced Elena to drink his blood. If then they had gone through the sacrifice. She would have died and then come back as a vampire. And then, you know, lo and behold, luckily, Bonnie discovered a spell where they could bind her father's soul to Elena. And if Elena died, then he you know, that spirit takes. A, well, it's not like he's a it's him in her body, right? but right. his life force enters her body and she's able to live. And yeah, you're right. That was too heroic of a of a death for him. But I have no doubt that at some point he'll come back to life, so.
1: <laughs> I don't know. But, <laughs> but also, I think the whole storyline with, I, I get it, okay. He, Damon took away Elena's freedom to make the choice that she wanted vampire blood. Obviously, she has an abundance of it around her. She could have just said, hey, why don't I take vampire blood if that's what she wanted? But also, I think they really made a, Big ass deal out of nothing, because here's the thing. She was prepared to die. She she knew she was going to die. She was okay with dying. So she, if Damon didn't give her her blood and she just died, she would have been dead. Damon giving her, her his blood doesn't change anything. She then has to feed in order to become a vampire. She could have chosen not to feed. So this whole thing of like, you took away my, my choice. No, you didn't. You still had the choice. And that that kind of annoyed me. Mark, what about you? What did you like? What did you not like?
2: So what I did like, I did like them fleshing out the history and the lore. Mm -hmm. I think that that was the real big win for me. Now, look, I don't always need the the lore, but it is one of the most interesting things in a fantasy setting like that is to see how they're going to, you know, make the magic work. The thing I like the least, guys you got to come up with another plot device and kidnapping
1: for fuck's sake.
2: There's an average of 1.9 kidnappings per episode. Yeah, it's in there's two or three dungeons that they're cycling around. In fact, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a traffic jam at one of these dungeons saying, oh, I was going to kidnap her to here. I see you guys have already got this one. I'll move on to the other dungeon because I know there's a couple more.
1: You know what's messed up? Is the the fact that you've been bringing up these dungeons and basements and stuff? I started kind of making a list because I'm like, there's so many, right? So far, you've only seen that the Salvatore basement and blah blah blah, right? But then I started realizing they're all related to the founding families. The B- Bennett, she's got that witchy basement. Salvatore's got that. The Lockwood estate. Um, thing. There's something you know, the Lockwood Estate where he, where they chain up Tyler. There's something coming up with with Caroline Forbes with the Forbes cell. So it's funny that there and I never put it together. And that there's one for the Gilberts. So there's every family has kind of have this like dungeon also associated with them. It's kind of weird.
2: I'm I'm honestly, I'm surprised the entire town doesn't collapse into a sinkhole because of all the fucking dungeons squirreled underneath. They're
0: like over the Hellmouth. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
2: They're like, you guys got a dungeon? Yeah, we got a dungeon too. We're getting a little, got some leaks. You know, honestly, we're going to see if we can get our dungeon waterproofed.
0: (laughs) Um, All right. For me, I. I didn't like, I wasn't super fond of the Damon forcing her to drink his blood thing. I agree with you, Joanne. It was kind of like a nothing burger. Uh, I, I, I loved the witch stuff that was going on in this season where Bonnie was doing so much witchery and it was cool. And you learned a little bit more about how it works and you see other witches come and go and stuff. However, What I really dislike is that Bonnie is this disposable character in everybody's mind. It's sort of like Damon, Stefan. I get it. They don't want Elena to die, but they're perfectly okay with Bonnie sacrificing herself. Well,
1: Damon is Stefan, not so much. Yeah, but still, Stefan, if push comes to shove. If push comes to shove. Well, yeah, of course. If push came to shove. Uh, listen, that's with anybody. If push came to shove and you had to sacrifice the, the person that you love versus the person that you like, you're always going to save the person that you, that you love. So
2: I get that, but.
1: Yeah, Bonnie always gets the raw end of um of the stick. Yeah, I, so that was kind of, Ooh, to maybe me. she
2: shouldn't be so slutty. She's not <laughs> slutty. Bonnie's not
0: slutty. Why do you, and stop saying slut.
2: <laughs> Jesus Christ. I just did that to annoy you.
0: <laughs> um, those are the two things. But as I said in the beginning, and I've been saying throughout, for me, this was a great season. It really helps to move along the story. I think you get a little bit more insight into Damon's feelings and you're gonna, you're seeing more of, of Elena having this, this struggle, like that's more fleshed out between, you know, who does she love? It's,
1: it's all starting to come together. What about the, the part where Catherine, you know, verbally slaps her across the face when she says it's okay to love them both. I did. I did. Right. And i uh, mean that, and like Elena's face.
2: But Catherine's also a big liar. Well, right. She did not love them both.
1: But Elena's face when when she said that was just like, oh, fuck, you know, like I think I do kind of love them both. Yeah.
0: Light bulb moment. Yep. Yep. So it's a it's a good show. We are going to do another episode coming up next month where we dive into season three. So I know I'm already watching season three and we got to get Mark on it. And then it should only
2: take about a day and a half to watch them all, right? <laughs> Can I, if I just skip the episodes with dungeons, does that save time?
0: <laughs> All right. Well,
1: uh, Joe, do you want to take us out? All right, guys. Thank you for listening to our deep dive into season two of The Vampire Diaries. If you enjoyed the episode, please remember to share us with your friends. You can follow us on Twitter at vampire underscore insider. Christina is at Christina Gen X. Mark is at Mark Eats teach. Thank you guys. Good night, Mark. Good night, Christina.
2: Bye. Peace out, Cub Scouts.
1: Hold your tongue with a flex now. You've said it ten too many times. Sorry. That's enough. Mm, so, slaps. all right. So oh, right. So this, this,
0: <laughs> this. Trollops. <laughs> was... Everyone, stop <laughs> it. Stop night. it. Let <laughs> me
1: just, <laughs> stop. <laughs> you guys.
2: I have a me... lot of synonyms we're gonna here. Get in
1: trouble stop it. All right, I'm muting.